A certain man had two sons. The younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the inheritance. Then the father divided his estate between them. Soon afterward, the younger son gathered everything together and took a trip to a land far away. There he wasted his wealth through extravagant living. When he had used up his resources, a severe food shortage arose in that country, and he began to be in need. He hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from what the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food, but I'm starving to death. I will get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Take me on as one of your hired hands. So he got up and went to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was moved with compassion. His father ran to him, hugged him, and kissed him. Then his son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Fetch the fattened calf and slaughter it. We must celebrate with feasting, because this son of mine was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now, his older son was in the field. Coming in from the field, he approached the house and heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what was going on. The servant replied, Your brother has arrived, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he received his son back safe and sound. Then the older son was furious and didn't want to enter in, but his father came out and begged him. He answered his father, Look, I've served you all these years, and I never disobeyed your instruction. Yet you've never given me as much as a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours returned, after gobbling up your estate on prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. Then his father said, Son, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. There you go. That helps, doesn't it? We often call this Bible story the parable of the prodigal son. But what about the redeeming love of the father? Or the fact that a wayward son returns to the father? Maybe, just maybe, we should call it the story of the loving father or the redeemed son. Don't you think? When we read this story, we likely see ourselves 
in more than one character. Maybe we recognize times when we were stubborn, selfish, or egocentric, and so we stand up for what we think we deserve, as if that's the most important thing. In that way, maybe we identify with the younger son who demanded his inheritance and left home. Or perhaps we see ourselves as the older son who got jealous and had problems getting behind the idea of throwing a party for his brother who left home and wasted their dad's money. Maybe, maybe. We even see a little bit of the loving father in ourselves when we are operating at our best. What I try to remember, above all, is the radical love of the father in this story. That, for me, is key. The kind of love that wants to forgive, waits for an opportunity to repair relationships, and remains willing to accept and to welcome no matter what. Therefore, the main points that I'd like for you to consider from this Bible story as we hear it today are threefold. Number one, God's love is a complete and unconditional kind of love, always ready to accept us with open arms, always. Number two, we are called to learn to love the way that God loves. Number three, loving in that way is a key to having oneness in Christ, being one in Christ. Certainly, living in this way is a tall order, right? We all fall short of loving in the way that God loves. However, just because we have not perfected that kind of love does not mean that we should give it up as our goal. My way of showing love and acceptance is still a far cry from the way I witness the love of Jesus in his life, his ministry, his teachings, and as the risen Christ gives me love even today. And yet, yet, I still cling to Jesus as the example of such love for me to follow. And I intend to continue to do so. I believe that the Holy Spirit will help me to learn to do that more and more and better and better if I allow the Holy Spirit to work in me so that I can continue to grow in the grace of God. So, at the heart of this parable is the message that God never gives up on us. When the younger son demands his share of the inheritance early, it could be understood to mean, basically, Dad, I wish you were dead. That damage seems irreparable. It's tantamount to the son disowning the father. However, the father didn't give up on his son just like God never gives up on us. Now, I doubt whether the father in this made-up story is to be seen as being perfect in every way. I think when Jesus tells the story, really, he tries to make the point that the father in this story is loving the way that God loves us. We can do the same. 
We may not be perfect in all things, but we can have as our goal to imitate the perfect love of God. We can and we shall. Our calling is to love like God loves, without limits, without giving up. So that's why I decided today to use this scripture passage in a sermon to address the topic of oneness in Christ, because that's what we'll be talking about the next few weeks that Pastor Elaine and I are preaching. I believe that a key element of what it means to experience oneness in Christ is for us to learn to love as Christ loves. In the words of consecration that bless the elements of bread and juice in our Holy Communion ritual, the one that's in the United Methodist hymnal and also in the United Methodist Book of Worship, it says the following, By your Spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at His heavenly banquet. Now granted, we are bound to make mistakes. But one thing that the Holy Spirit can empower us to do if we trust in the Lord is to learn to love like God loves. In that sense, we are indeed going on toward perfection in this life. We are in the process of being made holy in our love by God's love. It can be truly life-changing for someone when a person realizes that they have someone's blessing, right? That they are fully accepted and loved unconditionally. It can turn everything around for them. In our Bible story today, when the son fell into despair, when he was at his worst, maybe he forgot or didn't realize a couple of important realities. Number one, that he was still considered by his father to be his beloved son. And number two, that his father's love for him would never expire, dwindle, or run out. And when the son returned and experienced that unconditional love from his father, I'd like to think that the son's future was changed. We don't know the rest of the story, We don't know what happened beyond the time of the joyful party. But I can picture that there was a oneness in that relationship between him and his father that stuck from that point onward. So, let me ask you this today. What in your life might change if you were to come to fully know deep in your heart the truth of the following statements. I am a child of God, and God would never disown me. God loves me, and that will never change. There is power for living when we truly believe those statements I just made. What might you be able to achieve? And how might you be able to love in new and free and complete ways if you could just completely buy into totally the realities that I just stated? What if you were to believe in those things wholeheartedly 24-7, 365, 
year after year? How might it affect how you can show love to others? And isn't this exactly what we might mean when we say oneness in Christ? Think back then to those words that I shared from the liturgy for Holy Communion. You see, the Holy Spirit will help us to be one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world. I believe that Jesus, although he was fully divine, was fully human as well. We know that he knew what it was like to be the Son, to be loved unconditionally by the Father. But he also had the power of the Holy Spirit to give him the faith to trust in that love and to be guided by that love and to spread that love to others. The Trinity is an amazing thing and it's difficult to understand or explain or absorb. The Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is a holy and mysterious thing. The nature of our three-in-one God. We see in Christ the amazing ways that the fullness of God's saving love comes to be present in someone who is the Son of God, but who is also in oneness with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. Furthermore, it's a mystery to us exactly how God can and does help us to grow in grace and to live in oneness and unity with one another as a family of Christ. And we can do that with all fellow people as well. You see, Christ brings all things together in oneness. And all of life together in oneness. And Christ brings all of us together in oneness. And that is kind of mind-blowing, isn't it? It's hard to absorb and compute all of that. And all of that goes way beyond the limited level of my understanding, frankly. But when it's all said and done, we can't explain all of it, maybe, but that doesn't mean that we can't live in anticipation and trust in such a promise. So we even ask for it when we pray over the elements before we take them into ourselves at Holy Communion. Why? I think it's partly such that maybe then we will never forget the power of that promise. That God is indeed taking us somewhere. On this journey. And where does God want to take us? Toward more and more oneness and unity with Christ and with one another. And the thing is, Christ has already modeled such unity and oneness for us. Jesus proclaimed, for instance, as it says in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 30, I and the Father are one. And when Jesus was growing in grace, as he grew from a youth into a full adult, and then as he began his public ministry as an adult, he had to learn more and more how to be in alignment with, in tune with, and acknowledge his oneness with God the Father. I know that I don't love the way that God the Father loves or the way that Christ loves, but I also believe that I have a calling to grow in such love and I believe that I can live in oneness with Christ because I trust in Christ who is one with the Father and one with the Holy Spirit. 
And I believe it because, frankly, well, because I have experienced the unconditional love of God. That's what changes me. This parable we're talking about today comes right after a couple of other stories in Luke. And those are the parables of the lost sheep and the lost coin. Or, in keeping with our thinking today, perhaps we could call them the found sheep and the found coin. That's probably more on target. Those stories tell us that we are worth more to God than we could ever imagine. God will never give up on us. God is like the shepherd who goes out to search for the lost sheep until that sheep is found. God is like the woman who cleaned her house and searched every single nook and cranny until she found the coin that she had lost. God does whatever it takes to gain us back. That's how much God loves us. We are invaluable to God. So then, what might happen if we started treating others as if they were invaluable to us? I do wonder sometimes when I read this parable what happened after the homecoming party. What kind of future did this younger son have? This son who had been lost but now is found. Did he come away from this experience indelibly changed? I'd like to think so. And that is why today, as I've talked about the potential for us to live in oneness in Christ in our own spiritual lives, as well as our potential to live in oneness with others, I wanted us to hear again this story with maybe new ears to hear. It tells us about the amazing life-changing power of God. With the help of the Holy Spirit guiding us, I believe that we can begin to write the rest of our own story as individuals who love God and as a people of God who love one another. How? The way that God loves. That's what we seek. Let us pray. Almighty and loving God, your love is like that of a parent who never gives up, never lets go, who never writes us off as being incorrigible. You wait for us. You offer us grace. And then when you see us moving towards you, coming down the path, you come running to kiss our neck and embrace us. Lord, there is something disarming about your love. The power of your grace can feel almost unbearable because it breaks down all our defenses. Ironically, sometimes it can make us feel broken but restored all at the same time. Perhaps there is someone here today, Lord, or someone viewing online who feels like they've already burned all the bridges in their life so that there's no way they could possibly be your beloved child any longer. Lord, I pray that you will hold that person tight and draw them into your love where they have always, always belonged. Loving God, we are yours and we are loved. 
And because of that, we are healed and restored. We were lost, but now we're found. Make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world. Show us how to love like you love. Let us be blessed by your love such that it transforms how we think, what we do, the words we say. The runaway son from our parable today, he must have had an incredible moment of deep and personal redemption when he was enveloped in the arms of his loving father. And that's the way you love us, Lord, just like that. God, we long for your blessing, and you grant us exactly that. You bless us, you keep us, you make your face shine upon us, and you are gracious to us. You turn your face toward us and give us peace. Help us to be one in Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen.